I, I just get to know you since you were a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. And so now you're a senior in college, about to graduate with your bachelor's, which is, I'm super excited for you. I think your future is going to be uh, fun and, and, and bright. But um, when you were in high school, there was a, a significant moment because as your assistant principal, um, your junior year, something happened where you ended up in my office. And I was wondering what took place that day. <laughs> and then because this, your story is, I believe it's an inspiring story, but it started from a really difficult uh, moment. So could you kind of describe what happened that particular day? Yeah. Um, I think some context to where I was mentally, yeah. where my actions had been prior that day. I was in a place where I didn't care about myself. I, I still loved my people around me, but the biggest thing was that I didn't have that love for myself. I was being reckless. I like kind of stopped engaging in life and passively doing things. And that day... I had smoked weed in the parking lot and obviously reeked of weed, but I didn't care. (laughs) You know, I knew what I was doing, but I didn't care. And I ended up in your office reeking of weed. One of the things that struck me was like, it was surprising because you've been a good student. Uh, you, You do have good, you know, you did have good friends. I'm sure you still have great, you know, friendships but you were also an athlete i remember i asked you the question hey why today and and i remember you couldn't give me an answer and i and i believed at the time that you didn't know why it happened why you decided today to to smoke weed in the parking lot and then and obviously you come to school get caught (laughs) get in trouble Mm -hmm. but but then quickly after that something kind of flipped and so what what was it that took place for you to become re-engaged with community and people and think about yourself differently? Yeah, um, for me, that was a really big turning point for me because I felt like somebody saw me in a way that I wasn't seen because I was an athlete. I was good in school. I yeah. was engaging. And then I wasn't doing those things. And some of the people around me that I loved didn't notice. I didn't know how to ask for help. Mm. And I think the people around me didn't know how to ask if I was okay. And when you noticed, I was like, wow, like somebody noticed me. Somebody saw that I'm hurting Mm. and they care about me in a way. Not to say nobody else did, but it was, it was done in such a different way that it, it struck me and it affected my parents too. They Mm. saw, and I was able to open up with them and be like, I, I don't like life right now. I don't feel good. I don't know what's happening, but like, I just really just don't want to be here right now. And so that also too kind of sparked my journey into my profession as well, because it was so hard to get the right help and to find the right help and to ask for help. I started doing a lot of different things and I'm finding now today you know healing we're we're never a finished product no we're not (laughs) I'm 50 and I'm still like you know (laughs) figuring things out about my life but also you're right Uh, and the moment you think you're a finished product 
project, then guess what? You're not growing and you're not being introspective either. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, I asked you was because I remember I thought, you know, I don't need to I remember like the idea of disciplining you wasn't gonna be about just give a consequence. It had to be something where it was connected to who you were. Mm-hmm. And I remember I asked the question, when you look in the mirror, what do you like about yourself? And and do you remember the one word response you gave me? I don't remember. I just know I started crying. Yeah. You said nothing and then you started crying in my office. Yeah. And I was like, woo. And so that was when the idea of knowing that there needed to be a conversation at home about reconnecting, you know, you and, and other people. And so I remember asking the question or saying, hey, when you go home, I want you to find the top five qualities that make you unique and that are needed in this world. And I'm sure that as a family, you probably started having a conversation about, you know, reconnecting to people, but also looking in the mirror and thinking differently about who you are. Mm-hmm. What what did that conversation as a family look like? And so my mom and I, we had a conversation together. Um, and she was like, You're, I, I don't need to really discipline you. Yeah. I want to be your cheerleader. I want to cheer you on in life. I want to support you because you're amazing. And that was a big, a big change for me to like, oh, wow, this is what it feels like also to be seen and heard by my mom yeah. and for my mom to realize that like I don't need to be so hard on my daughter she's not doing the worst things she's just hurting and I I didn't know how to handle that and so yeah that's kind of been like our our joke is she's like I'm your little cheerleader you know I I've, I'm cheering you on by the stands and that's cool yeah yeah your English teacher came up to me a week later after the incident because I think um Historically, discipline in school was you got fifteen day suspension reduced to five and and now it's like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna be back the next day. And so it wasn't that big suspension, which I I agree with, you know, mm-hmm. as far as especially for a first time getting in trouble. Yeah. But uh, so quickly you were um, you know, obviously back in, in class, but your English teacher, she came up to me and said, What did you do to Kaylee? I noticed a huge shift and it's and it really was cool for her not to know the conversation that you and I had in yeah. my office. Yeah. But rather, she recognized that you were engaged with your peers. Mm-hmm. You were happy. You were, uh, you know, talking with her. And it was it was a complete mind shift. Mm-hmm. That was cool for me to see that and realize that you were being validated by progress you were making, but also the changes you were making. And it was it's, it was really cool to to see that and yeah oh that's so cute that yeah that she came up and she had noticed that yeah. too yeah do you remember who your english teacher was in junior year i'm trying to think i think um i can see her face she's rebecca like Wenrick. Short, yes yes i think so yeah sorry short, rebecca if short, you listen to this short brown hair. <laughs> <laughs> no. i can see the face yeah. though yeah no, she was so I'm way better with faces i just oh, loved she was it when so she, good yeah when she came up to me mm-hmm. she's like what did you do? (laughs) She was so great too. She was very supportive and like I was English and myself too. 
I was not confident in mm. that aspect. Maybe that has to do with, too, where I was feeling. Um, but it's ironic that I'm a Fairhaven student now because we don't have grades. It's all based on wow. essays and discussions. Nice. Yeah, you still take main campus classes and yeah. science classes because yeah. like, that's my major. So I have letter grades. But, yeah, in high school I was not confident. And, yeah, that teacher, she was very supportive, and I got more confidence in my writing. Yeah. Hey, what what was Kaylee like as a little girl? As a little girl, she was the crazy little spunky, <laughs> <laughs> crazy spunky animal lover, weirdo. <laughs> were you, I bet you were fully confident in who you were yes, as a little kid. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, because uh, I, I remember saying like, hey, I, I bet you're a tomboy. <laughs> <laughs> what did the tomboy what did what did that mean to you as a kid? I was a tomboy and my mom hated it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she wanted a little girl. <laughs> yeah, she was like, What happened to my girl? <laughs> She'd get me she she yeah, she did not like it, but she accepted it. Um and I actually started I kinda am I'm all of the above now, yeah. um, when it comes to like my style. But yeah, being a tomboy as a little girl, my first neighbor growing up was a boy so okay. i had a best friend as a boy and then i moved my other best friend was a boy i moved again right across the street i lived across the street from ross davis oh yes love you, ross <laughs> yes yes ross is so great and then had other boy neighbors and a couple girls two girlfriends but i was mostly surrounded by a lot of guys growing up sure. and i was athletic too and I kind of liked a lot of baggier boy clothing and shorts. Um, I still wore wore pink and stuff, but I actually hated pink. And then I went through a phase, and, and then I was like, wait, I love pink. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, now I have days where I wear, like, basketball shoes, and then the next day I wear heels. <laughs> so as you are going into elementary school and then into middle school, there has to be an origin story of you doubting yourself, not liking yourself. When did that start to shift as you are getting older in school? I think seventh grade was kind of the time I started worrying about what socks I was going to wear to school. Oh, like wow. that's a, a small little thing, you know, of like, ah, are these the right socks to wear? You know, having that, that anxiety yeah. of like, Am I wearing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Um, I think a lot of that, too, social media did play into that. Yes. That was when kind of, I think sixth grade was when, like, Snapchat came out and Instagram. But it was, like, more of a thing in seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. And, of course, I wanted to be Instagram famous and, <laughs> you know, an influencer. So I was worried about all of those things and going to class and everyone else is worrying about those things and you kind of just feed into this and some people have different support or just different ways they handle it. Absolutely. Um, for me too, I had um, other things happening in my life. My mom got breast cancer mm. and my grandpa had cancer and my cousin had cancer, like all three at the same time. Um when I was in, so third through like fifth grade, my cousin had cancer and then my grandpa got diagnosed in like fifth grade and then same with my mom. So that mm. was just a lot of stress 
for a kid. And then luckily my mom didn't have to go through any chemo. She had a couple of surgeries. She did a double mastectomy and she went back to school. So she was working her butt off. I was worried about my mom and, you know, she, she couldn't give as much because she had to focus on herself and, and she was focusing on her kids by changing her career path. Uh, she's amazing. Um, so for me too, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had that easy access to support. I felt like, oh, I don't want to add to their, to my parents' stress. Like, I don't want them to know I feel like Mm. this. And so I still struggle asking for help, um, to this day, but I've gotten a lot better at it. But that too, like I didn't, I felt like such a burden asking for help. I didn't want to. And so that I think fed into, it's not like it went away. It just kept growing until it exploded and caused me to get suspended one day. (laughs) Have you talked to your girlfriends about this topic? How often pervasive is it amongst girls and young women based on your experience? To have um, insecurities within like body and imaging. Oh, it's so prevalent. And, um, even to this day, like the other day, I just didn't feel pretty, but I knew that it was my brain. Mm. Like it was some part of my brain that was telling me that you're not pretty today. Even though, you know, I tried to put on some makeup, but then I washed it off and I was like, this is dumb. Like I'm pretty, like it's okay. And, and just knowing that like, it's okay to feel that way. And a lot of my friends and I will, like, reach out to each other and be like, I just don't feel pretty today. And we'll give each other those affirmations that, like, oh, you're beautiful inside and out. Um, and it's, it's, it's a tricky thing because it, it's a consistent, like, having to affirm yourself, affirm your friends, and knowing that when you have a down day, it doesn't mean you've gone backwards. Yeah. It's just you're having a down day. I want to go back to that. Um, that idea of asking for help because I do believe that we have a hard time because we're we're prideful people <laughs> uh, of asking for help. But you realize the the moment you ask for help and people are always there. One day I, you have to meet a friend of mine. His name's Barry Long, and mm-hmm. Barry Long is uh, actually going to be on the podcast because of his incredible uh, oh, story. Cool. And he specifically talks about asking for help mm-hmm. because, you know, he's in a wheelchair and, and in order for him to get around, mm. he has to be able to ask for it. And, and he said, you know, if he was not in a wheelchair, he'd be struggling with the idea of asking for help. Yeah. It's also one of those things that when you ask for help and someone helps you, they get a good feeling themselves Yeah, and you get a good feeling mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And here's the weird thing. If someone is watching from the outside, they get the exact same good feeling mm. when they watch that interaction. Do you want me to nerd out on you? For oh, I want that. <laughs> That's from your uh, mirror neurons that we have inside of us. Um, when you look at something and then you can sort of feel that, we call it empathy. Yeah but it's based off of our mirror nuance in our body. But yeah, people, people want to help. Like they want to be there. They want to connect. I also had to kind of think about like, I love helping people. I'm such a caring person. I think has to do with how I grew up to caring for like more of my family members. And I had like 
I was able to be a kid, but not as much of a kid maybe as some other people, but it, it goes both ways. Sure. You know, we all, we all have our own struggles. One of the things that I've noticed and that is, you know, boys and girls socially have similar needs, definitely, but I see a different societal expectations and societal pressures on girls compared to boys. Mm-hmm. What's your kind of take on that? I've worked with enough kids over the years to think there is definitely something going on in society. What yeah. do you think that comes from? Oh, that is a deeply rooted question. <laughs> <laughs> Patriarchy, maybe a little mm. bit. Um, if you don't yeah. know what patriarchy is, it's essentially a system that is geared towards corporation and um, money, um, feeding off of kind of sexualizing women, objectifying women. Um, I actually just went to a panel the other day too called Ecofeminism. So Mm. not only objectifying women, but objectifying the environment around us. And once you objectify something, you can control it a little easier, manipulate it a little easier. Um, so it's so deeply rooted because, you know, we've we've come through a lot of change, but a hundred years ago, the classic wife is taking care of the kids, has to wear this, has to wear that, and um, men on the flip side have their own downfalls with um, not being able to talk about their emotions as much, yeah. <laughs> which is totally okay. Men, boys cry too. Um, but yeah, I think that really is a way of where it came from and then introducing social media in different ways that um, women are sexualized and have expectations to act how girls may look online and think they should act this way because they see that um, TikTok now I can't imagine I didn't grow up with TikTok but we did have Vine for like a little bit but TikTok, how the algorithm works is it, it feeds yes. what you are looking at. Yeah. So if you're consistently, even even like some girl could have a really pretty girl all the time. You know, I unfollowed a lot of people on Instagram that I didn't feel as good, that I was comparing. Mm. Like it wasn't necessarily their fault, um, but I was comparing myself because they were posting a lot more bodily images or they've gotten work done and I at the moment didn't think we all think that a lot of these things are natural um but a lot of and it's okay that it's unnatural but I think that just puts unrealistic expectations on women and girls to present themselves every day when maybe they can't because it's unrealistic that algorithm of tiktok is crazy it is and the idea that a kid who's maybe a little insecure mm-hmm. is interested in maybe fitness or beauty or something. And then all of a sudden, everything they get is that reinforcement. And it's like a wave of more and more and more. Yeah. And I think that becomes so consuming. And it also, it rewires your brain to think differently. And that's why I think people should get rid of TikTok because it is... It reinforces something that I think fundamentally you're, you're not. And, and yeah, you might be interested in, let's say, cars. Um, if I'm interested in cars and I look up muscle cars, all I see are muscle cars. Okay, that's not going to be detrimental. But it's also, I'm thinking more and more about that topic. Mm-hmm. 
But I think that's why I think the beauty and the looking more pretty and looking more like a like a like a fit masculine guy who's got big muscles. If that is your rewiring, you're thinking not about who you are in context of the gifts you have. You're thinking in terms of who you're not with everyone trying to become that influencer. I want to be, I want to be big. I want everyone to see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't think they're coming out from a negative perspective because if they're like, hey, I'm an expert in fitness, I'm going to produce content so people can see the content. Yeah. But if it's just one person that you're following, great. But then all of a sudden you got dozens of people that are now in your feed mm-hmm. and that's all you're seeing. It's, I, I think that's where it's toxic and I think parents need to really get a handle on TikTok and other you know programs, other apps for their kids. Do you have any uh, advice for parents regarding specifically with girls and young women where, because this is very common and we, we know that and the evidence is there and it leads to self-harm, it leads to depression, it leads to uh, anxiety. I think that's kind of, it's, it's hard to say depending on who their daughter is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think support in being that cheerleader is, is always good, even when, you know, yeah, I don't know who I'm talking about here necessarily. If your daughter, even if your daughter's, I guess, going reckless, asking them, are you okay? That, 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 those three words, when people ask me that, sometimes I break down. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be fine until they ask me that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no. No, I'm not. How wh- how can I support you? How how are you feeling today? Maybe write down little like affirmations and have the daughter do affirmations. Um, everything is kind of it, it's hard to. There's no one tell-all solution no. with it. That'd be really nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think just parents know their know their kids, and even if I think sometimes social media makes us feel like we don't know who the people are around us, who they're becoming or who our kids may be because they become so disengaged and involved in something that seems so uncontrollable. Because even if you put parameters on it, they'll probably find a way, honestly, to access it. It may make them want to access it more because they can't. Yes. And I think, yeah, trying to just normalize having a full range of emotions, talking about being a woman, having the expectations and having that, open communication and even if they're not asking for help maybe ask if they need help are you okay yeah yeah i think that's a great response uh i think being inquisitive what your child is thinking and spending time getting to know what your child is thinking so that way you can have the conversation and not just assume we're all good and and definitely that range of emotions of spending time you, you know, exploring what those emotions are. And not only for girls, I think for boys too, they definitely need to be able to talk about what's happening. Because if you're not, then that bottle up, and, and, and everyone's different on how they bottle yeah. it up. Yeah. And I think the scary part is we, we've seen people do some pretty harmful things to others and themselves when they're bottling it up and we're not intervening early. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I was actually just thinking about this this last week. This is kind of a good time to do the podcast because last week 
I was just kind of in a funk. Like, I was just a little more fragile. Nothing necessarily different happened. I have been working a lot, doing a lot of things. So I think I kind of hit a wall, but I was more in a funk. And I was thinking about back when I was like 16 and if I was in a funk and Mm. when I was in a funk and how rude I was to some of the people around me that I loved the most. It's kind of like I was this fire and if you got too close, I would burn you. But if you stayed away, I'd keep you warm. And that's kind of a hard thing to balance, too, if, like, your kid's being real mean or your friend is being really mean and lashing out and finding those boundaries. And I've, I've had that s- struggle, too, um, with friends around me who I'm supporting, but they're also not treating me well. And I'm like, I don't deserve this, but also I see that you're hurting. So it's a hard balance of, like, finding the boundaries between that while still providing support. Yeah. Yeah. I think you touched on something I think is really, is really critical. And that is your friends really are big in how people respond to emotions or mindset shifts. It's amazing when you have a quality friend peer group Mm -hmm. and how they grow together and how they support each other. And how they speak into each other's lives it is pretty cool to see how that formulate the the balanced person. Yeah. But then when you have that negative friend group, and I remember when I was in elementary school going into middle school, our friends group changed because some went to Goodman and some went to Kubitschek. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, my friend group became very different. Mm. And it was actually really positive, and I really appreciated it. Mm-hmm. And and it really did shift in becoming more maybe goal oriented. Yeah, uh, I, I did martial arts all, all through, you know, middle and high school and college, mm-hmm. and my friends really were part of that, reinforcing who I was and who yeah. I was becoming. And and I think that that peer group definitely needs to be. Parents have a, have definitely have a role in in helping. Like, how are you guys doing as a oh, friend for group? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, community. The community aspect is is huge. Um, I just went was in Dominican Republic for two months, yes. and community was so powerful there. Like, they don't have as much materialistically than us. They have different pros and cons than us but I was really able to like feel and be around what that community meant and I have friends and everything but we're all kind of in different spaces like we all live in different areas right now so I've missed that community but yeah who you surround yourself with really feeds you because we have energy we are energy energy can't be created or destroyed but it can be transformed and you too, you don't, it doesn't mean necessarily all the time too, if like you're listening to this and you're like, oh man, I got to get rid of my friends. Just <laughs> like, <laughs> <Except> that one. <laughs> maybe two. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah. Maybe just one or two, but also maybe you can be the change. Yeah. You know, uh, doesn't mean start ordering your friends around, but a really big thing that I've noticed is I can lead by example and if you kind of do something, then your friends may be like, ooh, I like that. Yes. Again, back to the mirror neurons in our body. 
you'll see someone do that or the monkey see monkey do type of thing. Um, we are, we naturally want to connect in that way, um, by copying each other. It's also a way of us to connect Yes. and saying, I know a big thing is so easy. Like, let's say on, on the topic of, of drugs and partying, cause that's common. It, it's a thing. Um, if you and your friend group want to try and change something and not just go drinking all the time, you guys got to do that together. Play Mario Kart yep. instead. Bring back the Wii. You know, do a board game. Go bowling. Um, finding those patterns and supporting each other, each other through it. Yeah, yeah, plays a big role. I think that's that is cool. Really helps. Yeah, I am glad the way we uh, conversed that day when you were in my office. Me too. And it, one, I've told your story. I, not telling her, I didn't tell your name. <laughs> I told your story to other kids yeah. and shared about, hey, you can you can come back from this. Yeah. And this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. This is how it's going to feel. And you need people around you involved. And that whole idea of hiding, and especially with shame, it it's amazing the negative impact that that has on us and our psyche. And... The moment you are released from that and you have permission to say, no worries, <laughs> I'm not going to worry about this, yeah. but I'm going to also be real about how I'm feeling and I'm gonna, I need to seek that help of other people. Yeah. And I'm glad that you and your mom were able to, to do that and because I think who knows how long you would have been in that funk and who knows the trajectory of you as a human being would look, I believe, very different. And and I think that's, a, for me, it's a special memory that I have. And yeah. and I love that you are, you know, going to be a future Dr. Kaylee Means. <laughs> so yes. if there's that girl or that young woman who's listening, even though you might have already said it, what, what, would, you, what would you like to say to them right now? It does get better. <laughs> as cliche as that sounds, um... There's a lot of cliches that you hear that you're like, yeah, that's dumb. I've heard that before. Start listening mm. because it's true. And a lot that you're going to feel like things are impossible a lot, but they are possible. And you can't do it alone. That's the big thing is that it gets better because you won't be doing it alone. And if you feel like you're alone, reach out. And, and don't give up because it does get better. Yeah, It, it takes a lot better. of work, though. Yeah. It, it's, not, it's not easy. Um, unfortunately, life isn't easy. I mean, our cells and our body are working hard every single day. But it pays off, yeah. and you feel really good. And just allow yourself to be human. This doesn't mean put on a smile every day. You can drop the mask. Yeah. You can cry. You can look upset. You don't have to smile at everyone in the grocery store. Like, you can allow yourself to be the full existence of being human. Like, I just had a bad day yesterday. I was crying, and I'm, I'm here, you know, but I still have my down days. I still sometimes feel like I'm going backwards, but I just have to remind myself that I'm not, and that's just what being human yeah. is. And yeah, get help because you're not alone and 